Welcome to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Chelsea. And this is what we're nerding out about this week. Hey nerds, welcome back to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. Our last episode was just a little bit before Halloween, and now suddenly we're a few days from Thanksgiving. <laughs> Out and of time nowhere. is just an endless loop that I don't understand. <laughs> it just marches on. It just marches on, and now here we are with another episode of Nerd News. A lot of the movies that we talked about in our very first episode have already come out, which is strange. Fantastic Beast came out a few days ago. I have not seen it yet. I have seen it. So I've been checking things off that list just like nobody's business the last few months. So it was it was a 30-second review. I would give it a solid B-. minus. So That's not bad. So not bad. There were a few um, quite large continuity issues for me, but... Overall, yes. the story was okay and, you know, was fun enough that I paid attention for two hours and wasn't bored. So. Well, that's all you can ask for yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yes. Truly, at this point, it is all I can ask for. So I have not seen it. I'll probably see it not this weekend, but the one after that because we have company coming for Thanksgiving and then work during the week <laughs> boring adult life and then before you know yeah. it it'll be christmas time and it'll be time to see into the spider-verse which is your number yes. one from our first podcast i am excited and wreck it ralph comes out this week too so i have two movies to see after thanksgiving <clears throat> i'm a little sickly today <laughs> tis the season tis the season to be sick in the closet <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're going to do another podcast of nerd news. A lot of stuff has been going on both in movies and TV and the video game world. Um, it is that time of year when a lot of video games come out. So we've been trying to keep track of those. But before we start talking about nerd news, I want to talk about the hellscape of a day that was November 12th, 2018. <laughs> It started at about at 10.30 in the morning. Uh, it started with the Toy Story 4 teaser, which I had totally forgotten was happening. I remember when it was announced and I was like, eh. Yeah. I kn- this just feels like a money thing, but okay. And then it just went away and I forgot. And all of a sudden there was a teaser. Then I'm thinking about the meaning and creation of life and God complexes and what it means to be alive <laughs> from, at my desk. Which was a lot <laughs> to get from a 25-second thing that just featured the toys holding hands. But Yeah, like an acid trip. Yeah. <laughs> and then, maybe an hour and a half-ish later, it was about lunchtime, the Detective Pikachu trailer came out, which I have seen stuff about it on the internet and I honestly have not paid a whole lot of attention as much as I do love Pokemon I was really into the original series as most people our age were when we were little but I just kind of like never paid attention to it so I didn't really fully know it was a live action Pokemon until I watched this trailer and I'm glad I didn't know what it was before because if someone had been like live action Pokemon 
Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. Like, let's not. But this trailer looked great, and I am fully on board. I thought the Pokemon look perfect. I know a lot of the internet did not like Mr. Mime. I think he looks fine. He's always supposed to have been a little creepy. Yeah, well, he's a mime, essentially. Yeah, he's a mime. Mimes are kind of creepy. He's not the scariest thing I've ever seen. Pikachu was adorable. Oh, it's so cute. Although it was... I was having a problem understanding the Deadpool voice yeah. coming out of him and not cussing. Yeah. but And I love his little hat that he has on. I do love his little hat. And I also love the furry Jigglypuff. Yes. Which was another thing that tore the internet apart. But if he's not furry, he's just a weird ball of flesh. Yeah. With a swirl of flesh coming out of his head. Well, and I think several Pokemon, like if you look at the animated versions of them, don't necessarily look furry, but if they were like created in a realistic manner like this movie, they probably would be furry, right? I mean, none of them look furry. Like Pikachu doesn't look furry. But you would think if he was a real creature, he'd probably be kind of furry. And so that's what he looks like. The only ones that would not would be the water-based ones. Yeah. Which, as far as I saw, were not furry. No. And there was, you know, some more, like, reptilian ones, like the Charmander, but he's obviously more like a dragon, not really furry, obviously. Yeah, so he's more scaly. I think furry Jigglypuff is completely, completely fine. Completely on board I thought he was adorable. (laughs) I loved Lounge Singer Jigglypuff and his little fur. Yeah. I just, I'm just so excited because I didn't even know, like, that I wanted this movie. And now I'm just, like, ecstatic for it. I know. I had no idea I wanted this either. But now I'm like, how have I been living life without this? It almost kind of seems like the Lego movie where I was not into it. And then I saw it and I was like, this is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was this movie. So hopefully it will live up to that vibe. So your day on the 12th started at a, a high note then. Yeah, I mean, I was still thinking about the meaning of life from the Toy Story teaser, but then I was super excited, and then a couple hours later, Stan Lee died, and I was very upset. I mean, I think a lot of people were. I mean, obviously, he was well into his 90s, so we all kind of knew this was was probably coming at some point, but this is, you know, for a lot of people that are alive now... This is kind of this is kind of like Walt Disney passing away in a lot of ways because it is he was just such a force and the things he's created have just gone well beyond him at this point. But, you know, he's just been wrapped up in so many people's lives, even if they've never met him before. It's I mean, that's a the one I don't think I was ever going to be ready for. I mean, he could have been 120 and it still would have been. you know, upsetting, but I'm very grateful I got to see him at um, Rose City Comic Con a few years ago in person. Yeah, I'm jealous. And he, you know, that was at the time that I believe his wife had passed away not long before that um, because he even made a, you know, an offhand comment about what an amazing person his wife was and, you know, missing her and that kind of thing. So, (laughs) yeah, I was definitely, definitely sad he definitely is someone that like Walt Disney is not going to not going to be forgotten for sure. Yeah, I think he is exactly on the same level as Walt Disney. So it's very fitting that Disney owns Marvel now to a 
mostly owns Marvel, I should say, but yeah. <laughs> um, because now a lot of his work is popping up in theme parks in ways that it didn't even come close to before. So, yeah, I mean they're slowly building a whole Marvel themed section of California Adventure. So that's like there's very few people that have theme parks based off of your work. I mean, I guess they're technically there already is one at Islands of Adventure on Superhero Island. And really the only main people I can think of are Walt Disney and Stanley and JK Rowling. And um and uh, George James Lucas. Cameron. Yeah, and George Lucas. Yeah. There's like <laughs> So, but that's the, still the a, big club. Yeah. That you're <laughs> still a pretty a pretty exclusive group though. Yeah, very exclusive. So, it's I guess we can all take comfort in the fact that you know, whether whether you agree with Marvel being integrated into Disney theme parks or not, there will be a lot of Marvel content still to come. I'm assuming Avengers uh, 4, when it comes out next year, will probably have some uh, memorial tag at the end that will probably make all of us cry. But <laughs> yeah. um, it'll be really interesting to see what his cameos are in that one and if he did film one for um the next spider-man or not i'm not sure if i'm assuming he probably did because they're already film one for spider-man yeah they're already mostly through filming with that right yeah they finished filming a few months ago Oh yeah, i bet he did then so we get a couple more cameos yeah maybe three spider-man might be the last one very sad to think it at someday the day is now coming when we will go to a marvel movie and there won't be a stanley cameo but thankfully it's not coming right away (laughs) his cameo in the spider-man game is one of my new favorites it's kind of near the beginning and peter and mary jane go to a cafe together and they are not together as a couple but they've recently reconnected in the game and they're kind of like having this little dinner that he invited her on and he's really excited but then like a crime chase goes by outside and he leaves which was in the game that's why they broke up was that he couldn't he was so focused on being spider-man he couldn't have a healthy relationship so he leaves and then when mary jane is leaving after that stanley is sitting at the counter and he says something like it's always um it's so nice to see the two of you together again i was always rooting for you or something like that and i went back and i watched a lot of stanley cameos and i think most of my favorite ones are in spider-man movies Oh, gosh. Is it the second Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or the third one? Or is it the first one? There's one where he's looking at a marquee in Times Square that says Spider-Man to receive the key to the city. Mm-hmm. And Stanley stands next to him and says, you know, I guess one person can make a difference. Oh, I, I can't remember which one that is. I'm going to have to go back and look now, too. But so in other words, that completely tanked your November 12th. <laughs> after going yes all the and up. then a few hours after that the strangest marketing saga i've ever seen called spiral the dragon goes to snoop dog reached the end and he made it to california this spyro drone and gave real life snoop dog the first copy of the game of the spiral reignited trilogy and Snoop was like, oh, yeah, it's so cool. And then put a gold chain around the Spyro drone's neck. And it has been the weirdest week of my life following that. <laughs> that I mean, that marketing campaign, I got to say, they 
somebody was at least enjoying themselves, I I will give them that. I did really enjoy when they stopped in Colorado with the fishermen and had that like yeah. <laughs> 1994 <laughs> home movie with them or whatever. Yeah. But you know, it was a uh, that was a thing. It was something. That was there was one thing. t one t one tweet about him throwing up on the highway. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't even know what was going on. I mean, it was a little. How do you do, fellow children? Or <laughs> you know, like how do you do, fellow kids? Yeah. <laughs> so kids like puke jokes, right? I, I guess kids think vomit is funny. We'll go with that, right? Cool. <laughs> right. Mar- we're banking our marketing strategy on puke. Cool. <laughs> but it's Snoop Dogg did did successfully receive his game and probably his paycheck from Activision and Toys for Bop. So everybody was happy. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, uh, I have obviously been waiting for Spiral Reignited for a very long time. Because as soon as I heard they were remastering Crash Bandicoot, my first thing was, why aren't they doing Spyro? I need them to do Spyro because I have a PS4, so I can't play my old Spyro games and I really want to. And I had just thought about that for years, how much I really wanted to play that again. And and here it is. And it's amazing. It's beautiful. It is extremely faithful to the original game. It's It's literally the same game, which... Yeah, I'm sure maybe that wasn't what everybody was hoping for, but honestly, it was what I was hoping for. <laughs> so it's just, it it always has been and still is the perfect game for my completionist soul. Like, I, I have to finish things 100%. I have to pick up every gem before I move on. So like, it's my kind of game because I can do that without like, you know, without completely losing my mind, but still having yeah. some <laughs> challenging aspects to it. So I'm like... I think it's 63% of the way done with the first Spyro game at this point, which is exciting because I still have all of Ripto's Rage and all of Year of the Dragon, which is honestly like, in my opinion, one of the best games of all time left to play. So, Oh, yeah. I am super pumped for Year of the Dragon. I loved that so much. So it's just... Me too. A very special game to me because I think when we got that PlayStation we had for Christmas... Spyro was a game we got with it. Yeah, our very first PlayStation in the basement. Yeah, the little gray colored one. and The little gray one that we shared. And or was it yours and I just played no, it? No, I think we shared <laughs> I think we did okay. share it. But the thing that is so crazy to me looking at this game, you know, as I play it now, is like, that is what it always looked like to me in my little child brain. Like... I thought it looked that beautiful before and now to look at the side-by-sides you know of what the original game looked like to now what this beautiful new updated version we have it's just crazy to me because I always thought it looked like that and I'm like convinced somebody's pulling one over on me honestly but so far I, I really really am enjoying it it's still got you know some super annoying game mechanics that always like <laughs> yeah irritated me but the that camera's was, like, still wonky in the first game yeah <laughs> but that's still that's still half the fun the one thing that I knew was gonna drive me crazy was playing the first one and not being able to swim or or hover or, hover or do the like 
little smash thing when he would jump and smash stuff because oh yeah you don't get to do that till the second game but now that I know that's a capability Spyro has and I'm playing the first one and I'm like oh why can't I freaking hover to get on this ledge yeah so <laughs> I'm just gonna life without hover is difficult <laughs> it really is so it'll just be even more exciting to actually earn my way to that when I successfully 120% complete the first one and then I'll move on to Ripto <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I will do the same. I did finish Spider-Man. Yay! A couple of days before Spyro came out, I stretched it out the perfect amount of time. How many hours did you have in Spider-Man altogether? Do you know? Oh, no, I didn't. If there's somewhere that tells you, I did not look. And I haven't 100% completed it. There's some side stuff I haven't done. But you completed the main story. But I did. Yeah, and I did unlock all the suits. Which was what made me feel like 100% yeah. <laughs> completion. <laughs> but the end of it was super good. It made me cry a lot. Which is it was amazing like, for a video game, honestly. Yeah, the story in it was so good. And I told you that Aunt May died. And I'm still pissed. And at the time that it's happening, like you beat Doc Ock and get the anti-serum and then peter runs over there and he gives it to the doctor and the doctor's like well i can use this to make enough to cure everybody in the city but aunt may is very much dying and he says if you use it for one person there won't be anything to replicate for everybody else so and like aunt may's not gonna make it long enough yeah for them to make more so that's kind of like he has to choose between her and the whole world. Everyone in New York yeah. City. It's just New York, just New York City. <laughs> There's a few million people yeah. there. <laughs> it's, it's a small town in in the northeastern part of the United States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is nice before she dies because he's still in his Spider-Man suit, and she tells him take off that mask so I can see my nephew. He's like, oh, you knew? You knew the whole time? And she's like, yeah, of course I knew. And then, like, the same thing happened with Dr. Octopus, too, which was kind of funny. Like, everybody just knew, and he thought he was real secretive. Yeah, like, everyone just knew, and P- every time Peter's like, <laughs> like, mind blown. <laughs> I like that he is probably expecting to, like, be the one blowing someone's mind, and then he gets the rug pulled out from under him instead, and he's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then after that it's three months later and peter and mary jane get back together nice it's very cute and then the credits play and there's two post-credit scenes just like a movie oh amazing they know what the fans want i can tell like the first credit scene sets up the green goblin and green goblin jr possibly as the main villains for a second game and the last post-credit scene is Miles telling Peter that he got bit by a very fancy spider (laughs) in the middle of all this shit and he can like jump on the ceiling now and then Peter finally tells him that he is Spider-Man because he's been interacting with Miles both as Peter and Spider-Man throughout the whole game so I'm really hoping when they do make a second game that it's a dual protagonist and you get to be both Peter and Miles. That would be cool. That would be fun. Well, and especially if Into the Spider-Verse does really well and, you know, there's like a, a general public 
like uh, positive reception of Miles and honestly of multiple spider people existing in one um, piece of media, maybe that'll be a big yeah. driving factor in having them do that. Hopefully, because I do really love Peter Parker and I really love Miles Morales too. Like they both fit what makes a spider person a spider person and i want to play with them both oh well that just makes me really excited for that movie next month again too so yay yay very excited for that so while i was playing that you were watching overlord and actually watching american horror story which i haven't done yes um which overlord was what i marked as my number one movie back in the very first podcast that we did and i am very excited to say that it lived up to my expectations completely recommend that movie um it's actually more war movie than i expected um which i'm I'm not sure why i was so surprised by that it's literally set in world war ii i mean it's that's kind of the whole scenario here but it's more like uh like one of those war movies where someone's you're following someone completing a mission or they're going to rescue someone or something like that so it's very intense and lots of adrenaline and um, stuff like that happening. And then over the top of it, it's like, oh, and the Nazis are doing experiments and turning people into very strong, very aware and scary super soldier zombies. So um, it was, if you're into like the B-rated Splatterfest type stuff, this was perfect for that. I mean people's heads completely just exploded like literally exploded i mean you know great stuff like that um (laughs) great stuff like that (laughs) there there isn't this isn't a movie where they're fighting back a zombie horde or something like that because the the zombies are aware they're not just shuffling mindless you know whatever and and they're just experiments they're not like um a virus that's gotten out of control or something like that so if you're wanting it to be like fighting back millions of zombies kind of thing that's not what this movie is but it is 100 percent worth your time so <laughs> that is my recommendation <laughs> for overlord um and then i actually just finished american horror story apocalypse because the final episode came out this past wednesday and I I started this season and I actually did something kind of stupid because I knew this was going to be a Murder House Coven crossover uh, season. And so I started watching it and was like, okay, well, this is pretty good. And for whatever reason decided now is the time I need to watch American Horror Story Cult because <laughs> I haven't watched it before. Oh, I forgot about so that. So I kind of paused and literally watched all of Cult in about two weeks oh and then i did see it on our on the hulu that you so nicely let me (laughs) leech off of and actually i mean i ended up liking cult a lot more than i thought i was going to and you don't necessarily need to watch cult to understand apocalypse or something like that but i just decided i'm just gonna binge watch cult so i did that and that was great but then i needed to take like a little break so then i got behind and then I kind of caught up on all of Apocalypse just the last week or so. 
really I would say as someone who says Coven is their favorite season of the entire series Apocalypse is now my second favorite obviously it's probably because it was basically Coven part two so (laughs) that's a big thing there I know I was telling you before about the time line of this show being a little wonky because it always is with Ryan Murphy but the first three episodes are after the apocalypse and then the next six are before two years two days before the apocalypse and then the last episode is after the apocalypse again so when I was telling you that and you were like but it's a series about the apocalypse and you're not spending time in the apocalypse that hadn't actually crossed my mind until you brought it up and I was like that is a really good point but the story he was telling it worked I think like ultimately I was really pleased with it and the last episode the finale of this season was so good I was watching it on my phone and I literally multiple times stood up off of the couch while I was watching it because I was just (laughs) like so excited and I was like oh my god I love this I love every second of this everything about this is what I wanted so it was if you're a fan of Coven or of the original Murder House or both there's a lot of fan service throughout the season which is fine it's great it's stuff you really wanted to see and but it doesn't go too far it doesn't go too far to where he just feels like he looked at Reddit and pulled what everybody wanted like there was a very coherent story that happened and you could probably get it if you haven't seen Murder House and Coven. Like, if you just pick American Horror Story up with this season, you can still understand it. But you will get a thousand percent more if you've seen at least Coven and very much enjoyed Coven. So that's another one definitely worth your time. And now that it's all out, I think you can watch all of it on probably the FX app. I don't think it'll be on Hulu for a while. But so... Can we talk about the ending? Can we talk about spoiler things? I read a recap of the ending. I read like a recap of the last three episodes. But from the recaps I read, I didn't know that the apocalypse started again. Because it said like most of the witches were dead. And Cordelia sacrifices herself Mm -hmm. so Mallory can become the supreme. Yes. Because she's the one that can travel back in time. Yes. And then Mallory goes back in time and runs Lestat, the Antichrist, yes. over with her car yes. and then drives and away. And it was amazing. So, <laughs> I, I do like that. I haven't so, watched it. but So part of what made this season great is there's a couple episodes that Jessica Lange is in uh, because she comes back as her character from Murder House. And so obviously Michael Langdon's grandma, Tate's mom. And... um she has I mean she's just an amazing actress in general but there's in there's a scene in the finale um that really calls back to a scene in the very first season where one of one of her children died by getting hit by a car in front of that house and she drug them into the yard mm -hmm. in murder house so that they would die there and stay there and that's oh right I totally forgot that and then her other kids died and in various ways and they all she made sure they all died in that house the general gist here if you haven't seen this season major spoiler obviously is that michael the antichrist baby from murder house grows up very quickly quicker than an average child would 
and he essentially figures out he's the Antichrist, but he he has a lot of uh, roadblocks along the way to figuring out what the heck he's supposed to do. He There was even this very clever moment in one episode when he um, he basically had the same storyline as Jesus, where he went <laughs> he went into the woods for four days, you know, and tried to demand that his father talk to him and show him the way, and then... Um, if I'm, I'm probably messing up my biblical scripture here, but I believe that's at the, um, the end of that is when Jesus meets John the Baptist and after Mm -hmm. Jesus has his moment of doubt and all that. And so Michael has his moment of doubt and then he's like, he's like just kind of hallucinating and freaking out and seeing all this stuff. And instead of like Jesus saw Lucifer in his moment of doubt, Michael sees several angels that come to him and try to say like you can come with us and a little girl offers him apples you know which has a clear symbolism there but there's a little boy that shows up and is like would you like a grape fanta (laughs) (laughs) a grape fanta specifically yeah so apparently heaven is full of grape fanta (laughs) if you want that oh i'm okay with that Um, and then he's you know freaking out crying and upset and he turns around and there's a goat there and he's like, are you my dad? <laughs> and then he stabs the goat and kills it. <laughs> you know, it, I, it was just like pinnacle American horror story for me. And it just was so, it was perfect. honestly. So isn't that how the book, are you my mother? Ends? <laughs> yes. With, you know, the Antichrist asking a goat if, if he's his dad. Yeah, and then he kills him. So, he he eventually gets it together he connects with super wealthy people that you know everybody thinks is the in the illuminati anyway and they cause the apocalypse and the witches at this point um were figuring out that mallory is probably the next supreme because she has pretty great powers and cordelia is fading and she's not strong enough to fix this at the time the apocalypse happens so they put a identity spell on her and another witch so that they can be in one of the bunkers and be safe uh, basically under michael's nose and then um cordelia and uh myrtle snow and madison all kind of bury themselves in the the swamp and basically sleep for a couple years and it was really great to have francis conroy back on that show as myrtle snow um, they brought, cause you know, she obviously was burned at the stake in Coven, but Cordelia brought her back cause she needed help. So she, so Cordelia brought everyone back. Yeah. Well, Michael brought a couple of them back from hell at one point, including Madison and, uh, Misty. So he, oh, okay. he went and rescued them. I was going to say if Cordelia could bring them back this whole time and she was just letting Misty suffer in her eternal hell, that would have been. No, she, uh, <laughs> Michael got her back out. So she did get to come back out. There was a great episode where Stevie Nicks was there again. <laughs> and they had songs and all of that. And essentially they hide the new Supreme right under his nose. And then in the finale episode, once um, they are out from under their identity spell. And, you know, everything is kind of going to shit right here at the end. And he's killing several of them off. And they're trying to get Mallory to do her spell. And Cordelia realizes um, that... She's not strong enough, and so Cordelia has to die, basically. So she stabs herself in the hallway in front of Michael to make sure he doesn't get the joy of killing her. <laughs> and then Mallory has enough power, and so she goes back. And she goes back to the day that Michael 
gets in a fight with his grandma about killing a, a preacher that she brought in to try to exercise him. And, and so, and it, I mean, just Jessica Lange is amazing. And they're just that whole scene was great. And Michael runs out of the house into the street and Mallory runs him over with her car, like repeatedly. And it's a callback to, you know, the very first season when her, one of her other children died. She like makes eye contact with Michael's grandma and just kind of like nods at her and drives off. And so she runs out in the street with Michael and Michael is like, you can drag me in the yard, take me to the house. I can be with you forever. And she sets him down and backs up and says, go to hell and backs away and leaves and lets him die in the street. That was great. But then, of course, it ends on a cliffhanger, which I don't know if you read what that was. In the scenes where they were in the bunker after the apocalypse, there were two like college age kids there that had specifically been chosen to be there. Nobody really said anything about why. They never really figured out why they eventually die in the bunker. And so when Mallory goes and kills Michael, she basically has, she's basically Wolverine in Days of Future Past because she goes back and runs over Michael, but now she has to live through the changed world, you know, and be the... Oh, she doesn't get to skip back... To where she no, because it never happened now. So now she has to. Oh, now she has to live through being the only person that that knows. Oh, and so <laughs> this also happened to be the same day she started at Cordelia's Academy. So she goes and um, meets her, and it's just like obviously knows exactly who everybody already is, but has to pretend like this is the first time she's meeting them and. She got additional street cred with some of the demons in hell for killing the Antichrist so she could bring Misty back too. So poor Misty still got to come back. (laughs) And things go on. But then the two kids from earlier, they end up meeting anyway. They cross paths. A few years later, they have a kid. And then one day they come home after a night out to discover that their three-year-old has killed his babysitter. And then the Satanists show up on their porch. So the whole thing is starting over just 10 years later with them. So <laughs> a different Antichrist was born. And I don't know exactly what that means, but it I'm assuming there there was some somehow they knew that those two could potentially create an Antichrist apparently and that's why they were chosen to live in the old apocalypse. So I guess we'll see if they pop up in future seasons or if the witches continually just have to do this repeatedly. Every Supreme has to kill the Antichrist eventually. Were all the witches alive again at the Mm -hmm. end? Except for Myrtle Snow because they didn't have a reason to bring her back now. So they didn't bring her back. But who? how are they going to get tickets to Epcot (laughs) without Myrtle Snow? There was also this moment in the finale when Myrtle was arguing with a different character played by Sarah Paulson, not not Cordelia it was uh Mrs. Venable who was new in Apocalypse and Mrs. Venable tells her something like figuring that out would try to be would be like trying to figure out your hair and um she at one point says to her like um something along the lines of my hair is a mythical being not meant to be understood by you and then when they pop up out of the swamp that they've been sleeping in for two years she has all of her hair in braids (laughs) 
So like she could just take it out of braids and just look fantastic. <laughs> so there was a long, long rundown of how it ended there. You know, it's still Ryan Murphy, so stuff is still all over the place. But I really felt like this one was way more coherent than other seasons. And it's probably because I like Coven. So this was Coven part yeah. two. Well, they should have brought... Myrtle Snow back anyway. I know. She's a, a fantastic character. And I saw um, this post on Sarah Paulson's Instagram in the finale when you find out Myrtle Snow is going to stay dead. There's a scene of her looking at this painting of Myrtle Snow. And Sarah Paulson said on Instagram that as soon as they finished filming that scene, she took the painting off the wall and went and put it in her car. And she has it in her house now. <laughs> Just this painting of Myrtle. <laughs> so <laughs> I would take it. Frances Conroy is amazing she is and that character is just a great one of television's great characters in my opinion so <laughs> oh yes wow yes what a season it, it was quite i will a watch it i'm going to finish watching sabrina first because i'm trying to work my way through less shows at a time instead of having like 20 going at the same time and never <laughs> that's finishing probably anything. a little bit easier <laughs> so yeah I have been liking Sabrina, though. Um, I'm only like four episodes in, and overall I'm enjoying it. It's kind of a, you know, it's like not something that I feel the need to sit there and binge watch all ten episodes back to back, but it's definitely something I enjoy watching, and um, it's just uh, it's just entertaining, which sometimes is all I need my TV to be, you know, I just need it to be entertaining. It doesn't yeah. have to be as, it doesn't have to be American Horror Story Apocalypse necessarily, <laughs> but overall I've been liking that one and it's, it's campy like Riverdale, but not quite in the same way. No, I've been liking it too, but I don't have a binge, a want to binge it either. Mm-hmm. Like I watch one episode and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm done. And then I have to, it's not that I don't like it, but I have to keep reminding myself to watch it. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, there's that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I should watch that. But I do like it. I think the color palette is nice. I do, too. I like the aesthetic a lot. I like all the young actors. Well, and I like the um, the two that are the ants as well. I should be able to remember her name, but Ewan from Lord of the Rings. Oh. um, Is Ant. Well, Zelda and Hilda are the ants, but I can't think of. Uh... Zelda. Yeah. She's Zelda. I feel terrible. I can't think of her name. And then the woman who plays, the woman who plays Aunt Hilda, was on the original Office in the UK. Oh. But she was also the very nice secretary in Wonder Woman. Oh yes, she was. I completely forgot about that. I also really do like the character of Ambrose, a lot. I do like Ambrose a lot. He's very endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I and it's definitely. I mean, I know a lot of people who liked Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you know, that show when it was on. That actually wasn't really my my thing. I watched it here and there. But if you if you really like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and you're going to watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina hoping for that, you will be 100% disappointed. Completely different show. Completely different take. Like, <laughs> don't expect Sabrina the Teenage Witch with this at all. <laughs> um I will say I feel no. like the the 15 and 16 year olds on this show 
are more appropriately 15 and 16. You know, like, whereas Riverdale, they're, I forget that they are like 15 and 16 too. They're not seniors. They're not 18. Yes. And, (laughs) and obviously the people playing them are in their 20s. Yeah, the actress playing Sabrina, I think, is 18. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was on Mad Men. Yeah, she was Sally Draper. Yes. So it's nice to see her pop up again. But I just appreciated that, like, she is more appropriately, like, a 15 and then 16-year-old Yeah, she can easily be a 16-year-old. Yeah, she's not... She looks like a 16-year-old. Yeah, she's not acting like she's 25, which that's kind of Riverdale's thing, and that's fine, too. But it makes me laugh thinking about that episode in Riverdale when... um. Jughead made uh, what's her face, the lawyer lady, go live in Greendale, and I oh Penny yeah, and now watching Sabrina, I'm like heck, I'd rather live in Greendale. <laughs> like their high school looks way cooler <laughs> than Riverdale, yeah. so I don't know why Greendale was considered the uh, short end of the stick there. But <laughs> I have been watching the current season of Riverdale. I have not as yet, it's been on. But how is season three? My God, the camp levels. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I can handle this or not. <laughs> like when the Vixens performed Jailhouse Rock outside of a juvenile detention center <laughs> and they play football at the same time. And I was like, oh, that show. <laughs> Veronica? Veronica Lodge, why are we doing this? But then there's also, it's just little things like that. I'm like, I fully love and accept the camp, but sometimes, like, we need to leave Camp Town just, like, two steps back out. Yeah. <laughs> but the last episode that I watched was the one where there's an evil game, like Dungeons and Dragons, only it's called Griffins and Gargoyles. Oh, clever. <laughs> oh, so clever. But the Gargoyle King is maybe real, question mark, question mark, and he shows up. Like in the woods and in the school. And he's like super tall and wearing like a animal skull on his head. Okay. <laughs> and some people die. Um, a couple teenagers in the current time die playing this game. Um, sweet little Ethel gets wrapped up in it and tries to commit suicide. Ethel is never in a good mental state. I have she to say. She never is. And all the adults get together and they're like, we have to save our children from this game. We tried to get rid of it. And so the next episode was all the adults when they were in high school and all of the actors that play their children played them as teenagers. So like the actor that plays Archie was playing young Fred. Interesting. Which was interesting. Did he have red hair? As young Fred, no, he had brown okay. hair. That makes. I was gonna say because I don't think I don't think Fred suddenly <laughs> changed hair colors as an adult. But no, <laughs> um, FP was a jock who did not want to be part of the South Side, and Alice was full snake and snake serpent. Oh, and Hiram Lodge is from Riverdale. I didn't know I that. Actually didn't like know I that thought either. he was from somewhere else, but he was young Hiram was in this episode 
and there ends up being two groups of kids that are playing G and G. And they <laughs> And it's so funny because it's like Hiram Lodge was the one that caught me because he was they had his actual son play young Hiram. Oh, that's interesting. So he looks exactly like him. And they're like they dress in little costumes for their character. So Hiram looks like that douchey dude bro you knew in high school that picked on all the nerds. But he's like wearing a little nerdy outfit. It's not seem realistic to me. But <laughs> no, but that's okay. Is this kind of like because obviously the the storyline here is that the parents played this game and bad things happened to them and now they need to save their children or whatever. This is in a way really similar to like the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street where yes, the adults did something bad that they thought they had fixed and now their children are having the same problem. Also, in a strange way, kind of like it. It is similar to both of those. But the the episode back in, was it supposed to be the 80s or maybe the early 90s? Is super great. One of my, is my favorite episode from this season. Uh, Penelope Blossom is just the best and the worst. <laughs> Which is a good description of Cheryl, too, from at least the first two seasons. Yeah. So. <laughs> In, like, a different way than Cheryl, but but I am enjoying this season. I don't know if the Gargoyle King is actually going to be a m- mythical thing. Or, or is he going to be, like, the Sugar Another Man. person like the Black Hood. Yeah. The Sugar Man was the biggest disappointment. I don't want to talk about <laughs> the Sugar Man times. The Sugar Man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will definitely have to start catching up on that since it's currently on. For other current TV news, uh, probably about a month ago, both The Iron Fist and Luke Cage were canceled on Netflix after two seasons each. Um, I honestly did not watch The Iron Fist, especially after the first season got really bad reviews. Um, I watched the first season of Luke Cage and really liked it. Um, reviews I came across didn't really seem to like the second one, which is a shame, but either way, I'm sad to see Luke Cage especially get canceled because there's so little shows and movies and, um, black superheroes that get that amount of attention. Like, Black Panther is great, but it'd be nice to have more than just Black Panther, yeah. too. We need more And I know that. there's Black Lightning. That's on the CW. I'm not I don't sure. know. It's a show that I see pop every pop up every once in mm-hmm. a while that gets good reviews. But both of these have been canceled. Uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil have not. It doesn't mean they won't. Um, but those two are the ones that have gotten more attention. So I'm assuming the Defenders might be done if they cut the individual shows of half of them. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if you're being optimistic. Maybe uh, Luke Cage will get picked up on Disney streaming service instead once that like gets rolling. Like maybe they'll reboot it there, and then maybe the Defenders will get picked up, um, you know, on that platform too. But I know they're trying to launch their own streaming service, and they can't just necessarily like wholesale take everything off of Netflix that's Marvel related because there's, I'm sure, a lot of legal legal issues here. <laughs> but 
maybe right. and Hulu has Marvel shows yeah. and a lot of regular TV channels have Marvel shows, so who knows how that's going to shake out. Yeah, but hopefully maybe Luke Cage will get picked up again on the, a different platform. Also, in the TV realm, um, another major spoiler, <laughs> if you are not keeping up with The Walking Dead or haven't watched most of uh, the most recent episodes, Rick Grimes is dead on The Walking Dead. <laughs> the original protagonist of the show is now dead maybe but <laughs> plot twist he's not <laughs> but he's because he's the not. helicopter came and picked him up and now he gets his own movies yes. <laughs> which i'm almost i'm almost more interested in the movies than the show at this point which full disclosure i have not watched the last two seasons of the walking dead i did ask several people via facebook who i know still watch the show and still very much enjoy it kind of what their thoughts were on um this whole the helicopter picking up rick at the last second and rick is obviously going to be in movies beyond this and for the most part people who still like the show and still watch it said they weren't really bothered by this like it didn't seem um they didn't find it like i've seen other websites call it lame or a cop out or something like that and they didn't really seem bothered by that and i think part of it is because even me as someone who hasn't watched last two seasons and who kind of often got irritated with like the Rick Grimes character. I just feel like very nostalgic for him because I remember, you know, Halloween 2010 watching the very first episode of this show and just, and it was so good. Yeah. And just loving everything about it, loving the character of Rick. And, you know, for the most part, I think he, he remained an interesting complex character. Sometimes, he could get a little bit irritating in that I thought some of the later writing he was making decisions that really didn't make sense to me for his character but that also could have been my own interpretation but even just thinking like back in the old episodes uh like the episode where he and Carl end up killing Shane which was really just a great emotional episode of television and then of course my favorite episode of Walking Dead of all time with Rick and his ghost phone (laughs) i loved rick and his ghost i loved that episode the the first few seasons of this show were so good Mm. like the like what you mentioned when rick and carl kill shane that's still like one of my favorite tv moments ever even though i don't watch the show anymore either and i can't get myself to and like what was another oh um sophia coming out of the barn yes that I actually really liked the season on the farm. Um, I did too. I know at the time a lot of people didn't, but I really thought that was a, a great season. Sophia coming out of the barn, um, the last episode when everything's on fire and Daryl swings by in his motorcycle and Carol. There mm. we go. I was like, why couldn't I think Carol. of Carol? <laughs> I love Carol. And, you know, picks her up on the motorcycle and saves her because everybody else left Carol's ass, which I think was like. The determining factor in why she became such a badass later because like i i kind of forgot yeah. and, like season two everybody else was like goodbye bye carol like <laughs> you. yeah peace out carol and then daryl and then her. like wasn't it a few seasons later she got separated again because rick kicked her out and then she ends up coming back mm-hmm. and saving them from the cannibals by blowing shit up mm-hmm. that was great too. yeah and then she had to basically put down a child <laughs> 
<laughs> with the look at the flowers episode. <laughs> oh gosh, I forgot about that child. I thought we were talking about the cookie child. Oh, oh she threatened to put that child down, but she, <laughs> she didn't do that. <laughs> Which, you know, I Carol and Rick are, I think, really great characters overall. I actually really love them. And so I think some of these people that, that still watch that said, you know, they, they actually really liked how this turned out. I I would say they must feel kind of the same way that I do about Rick. Like, they didn't want him to just be eaten by zombies. They didn't want him to just disappear. And, you know, to me it feels a little bit like everybody gets their crawl under the dumpster fake out moment on this show for some reason. And I don't know the why. The proverbial dumpster. Yeah, <laughs> the proverbial dumpster on this show. But I think for people who are still, you know, very much into the show, still very much fans of the show, it it's almost like it would have been more upsetting to have an actual, for sure, he died, he got torn about torn apart by zombies, and it, it would have been upsetting either way, but it, it's almost like it would have been upsetting enough to the point that maybe they actually would have started to not like this show. And it's, it's interesting that people get that way about Walking Dead, but they don't get that way about something like Game of Thrones, where right. people who you think are main characters die all the time, horribly, graphically, whatever, and they don't come back, you right. know? And for some reason, I don't know if it's the fan base or just the type of story or, I mean, obviously Game of Thrones is a lot more like, you know, completely different world <laughs> there, honestly, yeah. but... Um, I think my biggest issue with Walking Dead is honestly that I don't think they knew their shelf life up front. And when you think about shows like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, that kind of thing, they knew their shelf life and they planned for the shelf life. And then I think Walking Dead, when they don't have like that in mind, it can, it started to meander for me which was the the problem but the zombie horde got lost yeah and wandered off the road Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that another thing that people who um have been watching the most recent season said is that they feel like it's found like its heart again and you know they mentioned they're really excited for like the villain that was just introduced and um they seem to like it seems like it's going down a good track again so for fans of the show who've stuck with it um perhaps good things are coming and at some point I will probably sit and maybe try to just like you know watch the seasons I haven't watched yet but it's not happening yet <laughs> so no um I've considered watching this current season because it's gotten so much better reviews mm-hmm. and just not watching what i've skipped um i guess i'll i'll keep reading recaps and see where it goes now that it's five or six years in the future and yeah obviously rick has been gone for a while and michonne michonne (laughs) michonne i know a michonne at work oh (laughs) michonne (laughs) had a baby which i i don't like that yeah but she conveniently got pregnant right before rick was gone yeah it's a little ghost in the machine there I am interested in Laurie Strode Carol. Yes. With her long hair. She did look like Laurie. <laughs> and I guess she married Ezekiel, which... Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. I mean, I, I would say that seems random to me, but that's not really a fair judgment considering I haven't watched the last two seasons. So that could be completely not random. Yeah. And I just don't know. Yeah, I guess I checked out about the time that she was living in a house by herself a little outside of the kingdom and he was trying to get her to be friends yeah but it wasn't like so uh, really romantic Mm -hmm. connection so i haven't seen that i don't know how that develops so i can't judge it but i like ezekiel i mean he seems like an interesting character you definitely are farther along than i am um and i'm I'm pretty sure Ezekiel was a character in the comics, right? Which I have, like, not yes. kept up with. And, you know, maybe that's, like, this show's... What ended up being my problem was that trying to adapt comics, comics that are still continuing, that there's a lot of them, that it's this huge, sprawling thing, like, trying to adopt that into a TV show maybe just didn't work quite as well for me. Like, I think Walking Dead would have been really interesting to do as an anthology series like American Horror Story to where yeah. each season is set in the same world. Heck, you could you could really copy Ryan Murphy and use the same cast if you wanted to, but you know, you have different groups of people and different stories and maybe sometimes they overlap and I know they've done a little bit of that with Fear the Walking Dead, but it's almost like I know they were basing this off of the comics and this probably really wasn't an option, but I think it would have been cool to do in that way, you know, and explore different groups of people, different places. They can overlap and all of that, but that might have kept it a little, uh, might have kept it from meandering like I felt it did. Yeah. And having an entirely separate series that's in the same world is just too much the same stuff for me like I watched the first season of Fear the Walking Dead and it was interesting but not enough for me to keep going because I was still watching regular Walking Dead at the time and I was like I have a lot of TV shows to watch and these ones are too similar Mm -hmm. for me to take the time to watch both of them and that that might be actually thinking about Walking Dead this show for me could have just been a victim of like poor timing because I had like about the time that I kind of jumped ship, I had Game of Thrones. We had Netflix like really ramping up a lot of their like original content that I Stranger, Stranger things, things were coming out. Um, around then. You know, more recently I watched Haunting of Hill House, which I loved on Netflix. Now there's Sabrina they were watching. I mean, it it's almost like. I think we definitely are overloaded <laughs> with content like Westworld. Yep, Westworld. Um and I think even I mean I watched it for a few years after this, but the point that I started to kind of diverge from Walking Dead was at the time that like even Breaking Bad was kind of coming to an end. So, I was like really mm-hmm. into that show and so it could be I don't know, it could just be bad timing, but it's, I will say, I will at least give it that it can't necessarily be a completely garbage show because we've just spent like 10 minutes talking about it and we don't even watch it. No. So, you know, there's that. But it's it's definitely a, a show I have a love-hate relationship with. I do follow the recaps of it still 
and we talk about it a lot even though we don't watch Mm -hmm. it but I think that's because I still feel betrayed by it (laughs) yeah because it was so good and then it did so many things that I don't like (laughs) yeah and that were frustrating and then even after I stopped watching like when Carl died that was way after I stopped watching but I was still pissed like there was no point for that like that was just going for shock value when they should have kept Carl in my opinion (laughs) especially now that Rick is gone it would be very interesting I would be, have been interested to see Carl five years down the road yeah, with his half-sister. Because remember, Judith is actually Shane's. Yeah, which we never really truly addressed in the show. but No, and we never will now because Rick and Carl are both gone. Yeah. Who cares anymore? And you know, the, the, like, the true bad timing that this show had for me when I jumped ship was that the whole thing with Glenn in the dumpster happened. Yeah. Uh, Glenn in the dumpster and then the the cliffhanger ending with who did he hit with the baseball bat at the end or whatever. Um, this happened at the same time that Game of Thrones did Jon Snow came back to life. And yes. So like it came across as like a poor version of trying to get the same audience investment and reaction when I was like the the Game of Thrones this is something people have figured out from the books years ago and they've been like waiting for this answer this that's not the case with uh Walking Dead and I have literally no idea if they had you know what was going on in Game of Thrones in any consideration with their marketing or planning or anything like that but it came across that way and that's when I was just like no I just man I can't do it (laughs) so for the people that like it and are still continuing to watch it it seems like it's going on a good trajectory so that is good for Walking Dead fans um I think that's all I have written down about tv shows well this one might be tv it might be a movie who knows uh Teen Titans Go yes and the original Teen Titans will face off in something called Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. <laughs> Clever name there. <laughs> Very meta. <laughs> I have not seen the Go movie that came out this summer, but I want to. I do actually like the Go series. I do too. And I guess it hinted that the original Teen Titans that are normal sized, that was the darker show mm-hmm. that angsty preteen me loved the shit out of. <laughs> Those Teen Titans are trapped somewhere. Maybe they're in the Soul Stone. Who knows? And are trying to come back. We're, we're crossing and DC And I guess we're Marvel. doing it. I mean. <laughs> yeah. So I'm fine with it. I As much as I missed the original Teen Titans after it went off, um, I do like Go. I do too, which I guess is kind of an unpopular opinion. <laughs> But I, it I is, actually like it. I mean, it's it's funny. It's silly. It's goofy. It's, you know, it's not anything like a regular original Teen Titans. But it's the kind of thing that, like, when I really just want that Saturday morning cartoon vibe, it's good for that. And I think it's cute. Like, you know. But I, I know a lot of people really, really don't like it. So... 
Sorry. Sorry to all of you, but I do. <laughs> I do like it. It's kind of like the Lego movie. Yeah. And it's gotten really meta mm-hmm. lately, but not in an annoying way. And the movie from the summer, even though I haven't seen it, got really good reviews. Yeah. From people with and without kids. I mean, I I feel like every piece of news we have on DC anything is always like WTF. <laughs> so that just, it is. That just falls in this bucket too. At least I'm more okay with that WTF. Yes. Speaking of DC, let's talk about something completely different. Okay. That has nothing to do with them. <laughs> uh, I think that's all we have for TV. If we move over to movies, Labyrinth 2. Uh, director Fede Alvarez. Yeah, I'm not sure. He did his name. Don't Breathe and Evil Dead. Uh, recently revealed to Fandango that the script for a direct sequel to the original Labyrinth has been written. All he said that said is that it's supposed to take place many years after the first. Um, I really love Labyrinth. It's one of those movies that I will always have a deep connection with Mm -hmm. but i don't want a second one no and (laughs) i feel like i would strangely be more okay with it if david bowie was still alive even if he wasn't in it but especially since he's not here anymore and it's been so long since the first one and i just don't know what i don't know i'm confused i don't think we need it i'm confused by that because i mean I don't understand what a direct sequel sequel to Labyrinth would be without Jareth. Because certainly yeah, exactly. certainly they're not going to cast a Jareth. Right? Like that would just tank this movie before it even started. <laughs> so I'm yeah. assuming there's no Jareth. So I'm like, what is it what is it then? What's the movie about? <laughs> um I will say that I I really, really, really loved Don't Breathe. I think that was a fantastic movie. Um, Mm -hmm. it's interesting considering like his background in some of the horror type thriller movies that he would be taking on Labyrinth. So that could, (laughs) that could be interesting, but, um, it's just, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad at least they did say this is going to be a sequel, not we're going to try to reboot it and make someone new Jareth and, you know, all of that. But yeah. I guess we'll see where that goes, if anywhere. I mean, some projects get announced and then literally never come to fruition, kind of like Del Toro's Haunted Mansion. Still bitter about that. Oh, but rest in peace. <laughs> the greatest movie that was never made. Yeah. <laughs> um, also in the movie world, Disney's live action, uh, live action reboots are continuing on, apparently with Lilo and Stitch that <laughs> recently got greenlit. I think that's all they said, though. I don't think there was any news about, like... That's all they said. About with the, I mean, I'm intrigued about how you possibly make a Stitch still look cute in a live action and not absolutely terrifying. Yeah, that might be a Mr. Mime moment for most people. Yeah. And the rest of the aliens. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking of, you know, the uh, well-beloved Stitch's Great Escape in Magic Kingdom... Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you can hear my sarcasm there um 
even that animatronic, I mean, he was cute, but it was also just kind of like, eh, <laughs> weird, you know, just seeing an animatronic stitch. So that's, I don't know, definitely skeptical here, but I will say at least, um, you know, this is a story that has two really great female characters that are women of color and have an interesting um, story and family dynamic and that kind of thing. So if, you know, we're going to keep Nani and Lilo, which I would hope Nani better be in this film (laughs) if they're going to do that. But I mean, at least there's that. And I think we need more of that. So I would be on board in that instance. Um, I will also say I was completely skeptical of live action Winnie the Pooh when I heard that was going to be a thing. And I loved Christopher Robin with every fiber yeah, of my being. I haven't being. seen that one yet either. So, but it was so cute in the trailer. We can watch it when you're here and you can sob on the couch with me. So, <laughs> Oh, great. Um, it won't be like when I watched Coco by myself over 4th of July. I, I'll tell you, Christopher and, Robin will probably make you cry uh, more than Coco. Well, at least I won't be alone. <laughs> so, like I was then. <laughs> Um, more than Coco? Oh, more than Coco. Oh, because God, this includes a a spot when they're in the woods together, and Christopher Robin gets irritated at Pooh, and he, um, and Pooh makes a sad he, face because I can't. He makes a sad it. face and says, "Did you forget me, Christopher?" <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and it also features an opening that shows Christopher Robin going growing up and going to war. And it overlays this with scenes of Pooh and Piglet walking to the door at the tree like every day. <laughs> My God, that's like the dog in Futurama sad. Yeah. And then he, they go to the door and Christopher never comes through the door, obviously, because, well, he's in war. <laughs> and then eventually it shows the door and Pooh and Piglet aren't there. Like they quit coming. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a great Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it was a, the point being, I was very skeptical of that movie and it was actually extremely touching and extremely great. Um, I don't know that Lilo and Stitch would be quite, uh, that sad. So, um, hopefully not. I do love Nani and Lilo though. They are my favorite Disney sisters. Anna and Elsa are no comparison. Yeah. Well, and I think they, they represent... <laughs> Controversial like, opinion. They represent such a realistic, like, you know, group of people in America, too. Yeah. And I think Nani's only supposed to be 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, Trying to take care of her little sister. And I love... I can't remember his name. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, The boy that's about the same age as Nani that's really interested in mm-hmm. her. Um, I really love him because he's like very sweet and emotional and kind and not you know things that male love interests don't get to be Mm -hmm. a lot of the time and he doesn't come save her or something like that he doesn't do any of that so so this could be this could be interesting it could (laughs) i'm not completely turned off yes (laughs) um some of the other live action stuff disney has in the pipeline dumbo which just released a second trailer um this past week i like the second trailer a lot better 
than the first one. Yeah, the first one with the creepy baby mine and the darkness and yeah, that was not doing it for and me. And I like the second one more. I mean, there's definitely still a Tim Burton flavor and they're still like dark <laughs> and I was trying to think about this and I was like, you know, the problem was is Dumbo is a very sad story honestly it's extremely sad i don't know about how i would handle seeing this kind of thing happen to a realistic elephant and then in the second trailer it includes the part where he's got the clown makeup on and he trips over his ears and everybody laughs and i was just like in tears (laughs) like upset over it because i was like oh my god how dare you laugh at that precious little baby angel i can't deal with this um and then the trailer the second trailer includes more of the scene with his mom getting taken away and yeah i don't know if i can do that but it did have i kind of assumed from the first trailer that there wasn't a mouse and that the little there was a timothy mouse yeah in the second one in the second one he had his little outfit on and everything and i still think the little girl in the trailers is the mouse quotation marks for this film but um timothy mouse was there in the second one so and it it does seem like they did completely take out the crows yes which is (laughs) thank god yeah let's not even (laughs) i'm gonna step into that territory um yeah and if anyone gets mad about the crows not being in there i will find you a time machine to go back to the real 1940s (laughs) where you'll probably be a little bit happier apparently <laughs> uh other movies other live action ones uh right now Aladdin all for it looks great they did not whitewash mm-hmm. um I'm excited about that I'm one I'm excited about Will Smith as Genie Yeah I think he will do a good homage to Robin Williams in that role uh Mulan which Every time I see updates about it, they seem intent on ruining it. They did cast uh, Chinese actors. I did see a couple days ago the actor cast as the love interest that is not Shang Li. <laughs> I know all their names, and then we go to record, <laughs> and I'm like, "What's the name? What's my name?" The lo- he plays a love interest that is not Shang, which is like, and I'm pissed about I- it. So, with the live-action remakes of stuff, for the most part, I've liked that they tried to make the story not exactly the same. Because I was like, well, do I necessarily just want to go see exactly the same movie? It's just live-action and not cartoon. Like, I mean, it it makes sense to make it a little bit different. Um, I liked Jungle Book. I liked what they did. I liked Pete's Dragon. You know... I did like Pete's Dragon. But it was very sweet. with Mulan, I love Mulan because she's an amazing strong female character who basically saves a bunch of men from themselves, essentially. Yeah. And the fact that they're, we're not doing the Huns or the war or anything and there's like witches and I'm like, okay, it's fine if we're not going to do exactly the same story, but like... Is she still saving China? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah. I, the original one, Mulan was yeah. a real person that they based this probably very loosely off of. 
and it had a lot of Chinese history in it. So it was a really great blend of fiction and actual things. And I feel like replacing the Huns with a witch, are you taking out some of that history? And It's weird. I don't need another witch yeah, story. Yeah, I mean, I would understand, like, I would I don't understand, need another one. you know, taking out maybe even Mushu and and stuff like that. I like... Yeah, I'd let that one fine be fine. I don't think they even have Cricky in it. That would be so easy to do. Like, Cricky could take the place of Mushu. Yeah, it's a little you know? animated cricket. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Remains to be seen. So I don't know. I I feel like I will see it anyway because I want to support it. That is actually. Yes, Chinese and that actors. that is important. Like I do want to support like, um, the diversity in in film for sure. So, fingers crossed that I'm being too cynical about that one. <laughs> but yeah. But really, at this point, I just want a live-action Atlantis. Atlantis Just do it. Shifting to another part of the Disney universe, over to Marvel again. Avengers 4 is basically done with filming, wrapping up. Chris Evans posted a very emotional, basically, goodbye to Captain America on Twitter and Instagram, which was sad. People freaked out because they thought he spoiled that Captain America dies, which is not... I'm not saying he lives because he could die, but he could live because you have to remember the four main Avengers. This is the end Mm -hmm. of their contracts. There's no more Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk standalone movies after this. Like they, it's possible they could make little appearances in a Black Panther or Ant-Man or Spider-Man movie, but their movies are done. And Avengers movies, this is the last yeah, one. Yeah, this is what they were leading up to, and this is it. That is coming out... I can't think of the date it comes out. April. April. And then... I think it comes out early May, because Captain Marvel's March, Avengers is May, mm-hmm. Spider-Man is Which July. Which I do love, like, <laughs> I was just looking at this, and I just put together that Spider-Man Far From Home... Um, the first one was Homecoming and this one's Far From Home, which I just think is cute. <laughs> so yeah. he leaves cute. New York. So I'm very curious how they're going to do the marketing for that movie, though, because it comes out after Infinity War. And obviously, spoiler again, and I keep calling part four Infinity War, but I think it might be called something else. But at the end of part three, Infinity War, obviously, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is no longer with us. <laughs> and it was Peter died sad, but <laughs> a lot of people died and we're all pretty sure what's going on here that some of them are going to be coming back well all the ones that died have yeah movies coming and so up. t'challa has a black yeah, panther too. i knew i knew they weren't going to give us black panther and then immediately take him away so <laughs> um you know and that <laughs> remains to be seen are they all trapped in the soul stone is one theory but Obviously, Doctor Strange had some idea of what was happening before he disintegrated. Yeah, Doctor Strange knew something. Yeah, he knew something was up. He just didn't really have a chance to um, tell Tony exactly what was going on. Even though nobody's stupid, we all know that. I. It's not like Marvel and Disney are going to outright advertise like, oh, Peter's not dead. <laughs> you know, so yeah. are they going to do all the marketing for that movie in two months? Or are they going to go with the, 
oh, Far From Home is set before the events of Avengers 4. That's my guess is what they're going to do. Yeah, I think that's probably what they're going to do so they can start advertising for it before Avengers. But we all know it's not set before Infinity War. Yeah, that's, we all, (laughs) we all know that. But that's kind of my, uh, um, that's my best bet on how they're going to actually advertise that. Um, we should get the official name before the end of the year, according to the directors. Oh, for part four? Yeah. I don't know if a trailer was included in that, but the name of it should come out. Because it was going to be Infinity War part one and part two, and then and then it wasn't that. So I can't yeah. remember um, if they've given any clue as to what part four is going to be called, but I don't think so. They posted a picture over the summer that was black and white. That was like the side of a film set. And I think it said like, look, clo- look closely. Um, and people found like a lot of like A's, hidden A's in there. Um, so people are trying to guess off of that what it was called, but. Interesting. Well, hopefully we will find out more on that soon. And then the last um, Disney branch of movie news that you mentioned earlier was uh, from Pixar, the Toy Story 4 teaser. There's actually two teasers that came out. Um, There was the one that was released on the 12th, and then Detective Pikachu also released that day, and Stanley died, and I think someone at Pixar felt like their thunder got a little (laughs) stolen. Um, so a second teaser came out the next day that featured Key and Peel. Key and Peel, yeah, with a a ducky and a bunny, which was cute. So I I mean everyone is everyone is clear that this movie is being made as a cash grab. It it is. It's the kind of thing that I know the executive line at Walt Disney Studios went to Pixar and said Toy Story is a merchandising dream. So you are, yeah. you're going to make another one. And I mean, at least the nice thing about that is we can trust Pixar to still make a good film, even though Toy Story 3 yeah. really put the nice little bow on it. But I've seen um, both Tom Hanks and Tim Allen reference the fact that they cried a lot while filming. So not excited about that. <laughs> but the first teaser was the one that featured them all holding hands and then had the spork with googly eyes his name is forky and he seemed to really have an existential crisis yes he was not a toy yes he did not belong there i uh that resonated with me his general panic yeah i think at one point when they were all falling over rex said something about the panic is taking over me or something (laughs) it was like in there really quick and i was like ooh. (laughs) I relate I to that. I want to cross-stitch that and put it... Relatable content. ...by my door. <laughs> yeah, but relatable content. You know, until you said something, I didn't really put together the fact that you're like, so children can just put googly eyes on things and create life or what? Bonnie created life. She made a face shape on something and that made it alive and gave it a conscious, which is what is blowing my mind. Like, think of all, like, the little arts and crafts you make as a child. Yeah. Are they alive? Were they all... Was everything alive? I don't know. (laughs) So, I'm I'm very interested to see how this turns out next summer. And if there will be additional 
non-toy items that now have life. We'll see. A couple other very quick little things in the gaming world that are going on. Um, you saw either yesterday or today an actual case for Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, I did at GameStop. So it's We went happening. to trade in. It is. We went to trade in Ryan's PS4 because he has an original one. It's been running really slow. They were having actually a really good deal where he got a PS4 slim a with slim. a terabyte <laughs> of data or storage on it for 35 bucks with his trade-in. Wow. So while we were there, there was a whole bunch of Kingdom Hearts stuff, and they had cases for it in the games. So and cases I have it up, been printed. And obviously, yeah, cases are printed. Obviously, it was empty. Mm-hmm. I mean, all our cases are empty there, so you can't steal it. Uh, but I was holding it, and I was like, look at this. Like, half my life has been, literally half my life has been, I've waiting, been waiting for, for this game. So there's a tangible, tangible evidence that it is, in fact, coming. Yeah, there was merchandise everywhere. There was a keyblade that I picked up and was swinging around. <laughs> that was a great demonstration you just gave of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was still in the box, but I've never held a big keyblade yeah. like that, and it was actually really fun. <laughs> there was children judging me. Well, let them judge. You've been waiting a long time for this one. And it I know. maybe honest to goodness, is actually happening. So, remains to be seen there. And then there have been some rumors about the PS5 release dates, mostly looking at probably a 2020 release date. And that seems to also be around the same time that people are predicting Grand Theft Auto 6 will release. So, I would assume um, Rockstar Games and Sony are probably in close contact about that because... Yeah. It would benefit them both to line those up pretty well. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine Grand Theft Auto 6 would come out before the PS5. No. Especially if it's that soon. No. They definitely would want to wait for that. So, well, that is currently the end of all the major things happening in the nerd world. Definitely a lot happening Um Definitely a lot to look forward to as we come to the end of the year, too. Um, so for our next Nerd News Recap, we'll probably have to do a what's coming in 2019 and what was big in 2018 recap. Yes. Um, and then we'll have some other stuff coming through the end of the year, but then we will actually be physically in the same location at some point in December. So yes. we'll have to make sure <laughs> we can record in the same room. That's not a closet. We'll be in the same closet. That's not my closet. We'll just be in my closet. <laughs> you have a nice little office. We do but not have to sit in the closet. Just for kicks and giggles, we'll just be in my closet. <laughs> well, I think that's everything we have for this episode. And thanks as always for listening. Shout out to apparently our number one listener, Rowan who listens to every one of our episodes. So thanks for always supporting us. (laughs) And we will talk to you all in the next one. Bye, nerds. Our intro and outro music is courtesy of Sneaky Creaky on Yummy Sounds. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NerdAscended. You can also email us at nerdascendedpodcast at gmail.com. 
and ratings are always appreciated. <laughs>